So hello and welcome back to the Dentistry Online Podcast. Um, I'm here today with Ben Atkins, the president of the Oral Health Foundation. Um, so how have the last seven months been for you? That's a really direct question to start off with. <laughs> I think like everybody else, there's, there's, there's been peaks and troughs about mm-hmm. what we've done and where we've come from. Um, I, I can go for the negatives, but I, th- I think it's really important to focus on the positives. I spent a lot of time with my family. Um, I'm an expert on Monopoly and things now, so it's good. <laughs> We've got one game, I think we're in day four. Uh, I think my son is going to um, berate me if you don't finish it. I'm off to Blackpool tonight to the eliminations. So we're focusing what, what I can do and what we we can develop. Um, secretly, I like being at home once I've got over the, the lockdown fever. Um, I th- but I, I do... I do worry about my family and friends, um, but that's just my natural state. It's always, I, take, I, t- I do take a lot of um, ownership of other people's worries and then worry about them. And I have to have words with myself sometimes about that. Uh, yeah, it's been, a, it's been a journey, I think, is a, yeah. Is the, is the way to put it. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I think that's, um, I think we mentioned briefly before, everybody's come out of this or come through this differently. Um, but like you said we're not taking away how horrible the situation has been we wouldn't wish it on anybody but you you have got to draw out of it um and some positives and obviously you're you're not practicing anymore um so come it's quite in you've got quite an interesting you're in quite an interesting position here in that a lot of the people i've been speaking to on on these podcasts have a practicing dental professionals and they've been sort of you know trying to get through it there's been nhs there's been private there's been mixed and, and everyone's had their own unique experience but what, what, how have you, sort of from an outside point of view, sort of looking down at people working, how, what has your opinion been on sort of how dentistry has been during this, during this time? Do you think it's been a... I think one, something that has taught me, for me personally, is to avoid Facebook and that sort of stuff when discussing dentistry. Um, however, I'm really proud of my profession. I, it's really, really instilled the people who step up, step up. And it's always been the same. You know, you know the doers or the people who are gonna, you know the moaners and you know the doers. And if you associate yourself with the people who are proactive, it's amazing how we've developed in such a short time. It's this, we will look back on this war. I suppose it's, I'm hoping this is our generational war, maybe, that we will have developed so far on a lot of fronts. You look at, I, I drove up to, Preston um, to go walking the other night. I'm allowed to do it. Tier three, we'll tick the boxes, so don't worry. Um, but it was five o'clock and there was no traffic on the roads. You know, so just a positive with the pollution, you, you know that I keep bees and all the environmental stuff. Just that change, if we can take that forward, what a massive effect we could do for the planet on the reduction in carbon emissions. Just, just silly things like that, silly things, massive implications. So it's, it's made me reflect, but be very, I, I've loved watching how some of my old associates have blossomed. Some are absolutely smashing it with the online assessments. They've got waiting lists for their aesthetical work. Um, and also how my, my everyone, my, my passion is the NHS, always has been and always will be. And how some practices have jumped forward and they are working so hard with their patients. It's, it's, it's really, um, it makes you proud to be a dentist. So, yeah. Oh, that's, that's nice to hear. That is nice to hear. I think a lot of people I speak to agree that it has brought the profession together in a way that hasn't been seen previously. But you said your, your passion is, is NHS um, dentistry. 
Um, and and when you were when you were practicing, I know you you did a lot of work with with vulnerable groups um, such as as homeless people. Um, and I know I've I've spoken to a few people who said this pandemic has hit these vulnerable groups particularly hard. Um, do, do, do you agree? Is this something that you, you've seen? Um, I, I've worked with the homeless for 10, 10, 12 years. And these, it's not just the homeless, it's the vulnerable, it's Marcus Rashford's uh, free meals for um, young children. These are where our, my vision of our long-term society um, should be focusing on these guys. I'm, I'm sorry, but middle-class titillating with teeth is not my joy. When you see some of my hard-to-reach patients who, quite frankly, have got Dickensian teeth that are 32 and you're, taking, you're doing a full clearance, which is actually not a million miles from when my gran lost her teeth, you know, um, that levels of the case where I, I would be focusing on these marginalized groups and this is where they will be getting a kick in from this COVID. This could be years and years of damage. However, there's some amazing processes that have come from that, that I think everyone's more aware on just from all the, the lectures and especially the FMC ones, they've been amazing. Um, <laughs> on the lectures on the social demographic and the, the actually where de dental decay is now, it, it's giving us an idea, we've got, got a nice baseline of understanding for all dentists to say, well, actually, I think NHS needs to be going this way, not, and actually, aesthetical dentistry can support. I, I think there's a real opportunity for the future for us to develop this really symbiosis within NHS and private practice uh -huh. um, I think it makes such a difference it started to pour down we're in Manchester <laughs> what, 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 is it okay can you still hear I, I thought it was someone just maybe walking past the window or something <laughs> so we're in like a bit of a shed here so it's oh yeah. don't worry about it it's fine I can hear you just just, just yeah. fine <laughs> so yeah I think we've got this I think there's a really nice understanding of where dental decay is and I think we can really start to develop this model of needs rather than wants considerably in practice now. Um, so I have this really good gut feeling that we'll come out kicking from this and, and develop things on if we let ourselves. How, how, how did you get into this, this side of things then? I know that might sound like a bit of an odd question, but I, I always find it really interesting how you can, a face value from somebody who isn't, you know, a dentist or, or a dental professional, how different people's paths can, um, can go when it, when it comes to dentistry. And, you know, I haven't, I haven't spoken to many people who have, have focused on vulnerable groups and, and like you said, people like the homeless. And so how, where, where did this passion come from? How did you, how did you get I suppose I ran the out of hours for Greater Manchester and okay. for Merseyside and Cheshire for since 2006, I think we won our first contract. So I was running about 2.8 million people's toothaches at the weekend as one of the business, well, one of the few businesses we have. Um, and one of our sites in Ancoats in Manchester, we were seeing this massive use of our service as the homeless dentist. We were out of hours, so they could phone our service up, get an appointment, they were seen that night, it was done. So. Signposting is critical in any form of business. If you know where the patient can go to, they will go there without question or doubt. It's build it and they will come. So I sat, I, I, one of my biggest things working in NHS dentistry is understanding what your commissioners want, who your commissioners are, because they pay your bill. 
all, it's all well and good, your patients being happy with your work, but the only person that really counts is that commissioner who signs off your UDAs at the end of the year. So I, my commissioners hated me because I'd pop in with coffee and go and have a chat and you know, I, I knew what their dogs were called and you know, I've had so many meetings over the years, but I was luckily, lucky in Salford um, and Greater Manchester to have an amazing commissioning team. Um, all the way through, they were always supportive. And I, I went to them and I, got a, I did a, a mini tender on my own and went in and said, look, this is my pro proposal for doing a homeless service. We, we asked for 50 grand. We didn't ask for hardly anything, but we, we were gonna run that service as our CSR service for corporate social responsibility for the business. So we weren't gonna take any profit out. In fact, we ended up putting out of hours and profit money into that service. So it cost me the business round about 50 grand a year as a, uh, what we, we paid into it. Um, and so we opened it, we just wanted to do one day a week, but to do restorative work. So we worked with the local drop-in centers, which was in the building um, and said, so any patients come through, we'll take the teeth out, do it straight away. Slowly that built up to a service and this took, this took a while. And eventually they said, we're moving our methadone clinic. So our service went dead because uh, they weren't going in, you know, overnight. Yeah, I can imagine. So, so we start, we, I said, this is all, my, my, my business model has always been no sled. Um, sorry, manager, staff led rather than dentist led, but dentist has never been the center. It was revived dental care, not Ben Atkins and Associates, because I, I had to be a, a shadow in the background helping because I, I couldn't do the dentistry. So what we did, we went around all the Samaritans, all the drop-in centers, the soup kitchens, and we asked them if we could have clinics there. What, not with the dentist in. I, I managed to get a load of, um, they are ADEC um, mobile dental chairs. Okay. Um, and we took a chair in the center and they, the nurses just sat down and chatted with them. It was as if it was a, you know, you have these posh, I've got the idea from the, the top end private practices, you get seen by a dental nurse for first or a treatment coordinator. And I got the dentist, the dentist we started, we got them to go in first. Um, it cost me too much money because they're expensive. You know, they're phenomenally expensive for sitting around drinking tea, which we're very good at dentists. We're very good. <laughs> but the nurses are better and they actually got better relationships with the patients. So that became a signposting thing. So then in the afternoon, we'd have a dentist on taking the teeth out, treating the patients. And that sort of evolved for a while. We got, we got a good service going. Um, and... Yeah, it's, if I was saying what's one of the most proudest things that I am proud of, that is, that is it. But I was on the NICE, I did quite a bit of work for NICE and the department, and we started to look at how we could evolve my normal contracts to have a high needs element. Mm -hmm. Because we all know the prototype will eventually come out. Um, I gut feeling you'll see more action in the next six or 12 months because of the COVID, I think, I think COVID will accelerate it, but that's my personal opinion. That's not coming from anywhere. That's, so don't go, oh, I'll change my business. Mom. That's my gut feeling. Um, and you start to look at nursing homes. You're starting to look at the hard to reach in your areas, which is why it's critical to turn your patients into practice because that's where the decay is. Your, your middle class, I go for middle class, that's what we are. The odd feeling, I didn't qualify to be that type of dentist. So as a, as a totally selfish situation, I don't really want to do titillating of teeth. I want to slice and dice and cut people's up and really restore their smiles again, you know? Um, yeah, I can do that aesthetically. Yeah, we've done all that.
but it gave me such satisfaction to know that I'd empowered my dental team to do that mm. um, with no boundaries, with no rules, with just doing, doing the right thing for patients. Yeah. And the gloves came off and I, and I think that really worked for my team. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it sounds like you had a lot going there. Um, there's a lot on, like, <laughs> I don't know if you agree, you must have been very busy whilst working. Um, so how did you how did you balance this? How did you sort of maintain um, sort of this this service and how did you keep it going? Because you said you you did this you provided this kind of service for do you say ten to twelve years? And my I bought my first practice when I was twenty four. So yeah, six so months after. So since you were twenty four up until you said eighteen months ago when when you sold yeah. your you sold your practice, how what how did you keep a, a healthy work life balance in that time? <sighs> I paid people to do the work <laughs> with the greatest respect <laughs> if i could delegate it i did you know why not um, but it, it's it, I, I went on a lot of business courses um my first business course was one of chris barrow's courses um and his his business ideas that they're not he, he will tell you they are not he's not reinventing the wheel He's pointing out the obvious that you can't work, can't work in the business and on the business, or you've got to, you've got to be working on it rather than in it. Because you can't be, I don't think you can own a practice. Uh, I know you can't do it five days a week. It, it will kill you. There's, 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 there's no two ways about it. Um, now, I had a structure where we had 11 different practices or services in the end. Mm -hmm. um, wow. I had, um, we had a, the key thing was having a structure within the business, having a business plan, and each practice had its own manager. And I had a manager to manage the managers and an operational manager to manage. You know, so it, it was that structure. Um, because without that, you're doing everything. And quite frankly, I'm not that bright. No, my, my biggest thing is I'm dyslexic. Um, so it's, I'm lucky if I've got the right socks on every day. People laugh at me because they usually are. But I, I, I think it's that the, the key with everything we do is, are you enjoying it? If you're enjoying it, keep doing it. If you're not enjoying it, well, why are you doing it? But that, that, that mentality takes a long time. There's a, I've had a lot of mistakes, you know? I bro I've broke my business a couple of times and actually had to pay to go to work for a couple of years. But it's... It's got to be a passion. If it's not a passion, then don't. I love being a dentist. I used to get so giddy on a Sunday night when it was clinic day the next day doing my VT. I got called. I got called rotten. And I still do. And I still miss. I, I, I did a, a project with Invisalign over the last few weeks. Uh, they lent me a scanner to do some gum shield stuff. And that's a project we're going to be working on. Mm -hmm. And I was so giddy doing these scans. Andrea, my, my, my wife, what, what's going on? I, I said, I'm doing what I enjoy, but I've always wanted to enjoy it. And if you don't enjoy it, what do you enjoy? Well, go and do that. Um, I think that's the secret to it. And also don't take yourself too seriously. You know, it's going teeth. I, I think, I mean, do you think there's a tendency for dentists? Because I, I speak to a lot of them and, and, and a lot of dentists are so enthusiastic over what they do. But do you think because of this enthusiasm they have for the job, they tend to take on more than they can perhaps handle and then this is where these these sort of mental health struggles sometimes come into the into the profession because they are so enthusiastic that they don't they're reluctant to maybe delegate i don't think that they take too much on that they can handle 
They drop things. They don't have that. And that's the same with every single profession that I know. That we're not unique. We think we are, but we're not. And if we can actually say to ourselves, you know what? I can't do everything. I always thought as my dentist as, as conductors, they were there to find, I know, I know the best implantologist. I will coordinate that treatment there. I, will, I know the best restorative guy that they can do that. And I'm there to look after this patient for 20, 25 years. You know, that, 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 that is almost the role as a dentist. Um, the dentist who I used to love working with got that, you know, I, I had one dentist who I could have got about 12 therapists working for it. Sam, that was just, he wanted to do everything himself, but you could see him peeling the layers off of the onion peeling them off as he, as he oh, you can have that bit <laughs> okay there and he got it in his head and it worked and he's an amazing dentist yeah um, and it's understanding that you can't do everything and eventually you find that niche that you just can't let go and keep it grab it to your heart keep it and just love it and you see that passion and that's what i if if i could say what do we want to be where do we want to be over the next 20 years is finding that passion you know and i think if you can do that if that if this if, if this is what covid has given you it's the best thing i just wish it would bugger off tell <laughs> <laughs> me about it i feel like it's it, it's happened now you know yeah, we've we've, done, i now know where i want to be we get your point you've made your point now now please leave and uh, let us the good things away from it and actually put it into practice no i completely feel you on that one we've got our list now thank you very much <laughs> But I mean, looking forward, um, where where do you where do you think dentistry is now heading? How do you think dentistry is going to be shaped and changed by what has happened over the last well, I guess almost eight months now? I've got where I'd like it to evolve. Okay, I know I know that in my head, and I, I think that's if every practitioner can understand where they're going to and own that, mm -hmm. that would take a lot of salvation for the stress that I, I see. Um, I would adore the NHS to be focusing on our highest needs patients and saying no to some patients, you know, being focused totally on oral health. And if we can't evolve that oral health, then you're not having the treatment. And I think that's there. That is there. Um, so I, if I could have my own way, I would say we would increase aesthetical work within practices because dentists want to do that and also therapists want to do that. And the, really the compound evolution of the utilization of dental nurses to do oral health, because they are so much better than dentists will ever be. But dentists take the really advanced, the ones that just won't listen to, quite frankly, it's often the sexist older men to be perfectly honest, but that's between you and, and about, about 40,000 people listen to this, but that's the same. <laughs> sorry um, but, but we often have to back our staff up and if we can work with our oral hygiene nurses to evolve that support route that we know what our rules are and that evolution is is it's amazing to see when it works when it works you can almost sit there with a cup of tea and drink tea all day and go yes you've got teeth yes you've got teeth well done see you in two years and that because the, the team have done all the work and the patient comes in after a two-week oral hygiene journey and you go, well, you've done see me now. You've done your bit. I'll see you in two So you could, you could focus on that. I really believe that we could see this old 
really good use of NHS money, not just looking at for UDAs and chasing and chasing and chasing. And then if patients want aesthetical stuff like stain removal, they can come in and that can be a proper business center within the practice and all supports. Yeah, private dentistry can support the NHS. Fine, I have no, I have no problems with that. But what I do, I do have a problem is, is with the patients and expectations. And our job is to manage these expectations. You know, it's actually, NHS practice almost is supporting then private bringing it in. So it's a, it, it seems to be a dirty word often, this mm. mixing of the private and NHS. But I think if we can get this nailed in, this is want to need, it's done. And it will also, the NHS then would support businesses developing, but also then looking at patients' areas that we could say, you need this work doing now. You've all hygiene is perfect. You can now have the restoration work you've done on the NHS, not a problem yeah but you've got to get that involvement with the patient because then that then that then that work will last forever not once every six months you have an end root treatment and yeah and that's that's why the pressure comes essentially then just really sort of honing in on this element of prevention really getting that done first really hammering yeah. that home and using everybody in the team um to, to get that message across to the patient and then once that is is nailed then going forward and looking at so fine if you want if there's something else that, that that you want done then then let's look at that now yeah absolutely and i think we can use the nhs to evolve dentistry phenomenally by doing that um and we've the 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 restorative the traditional cutting people's arms off to heal them in dentistry i think that could be the good thing that comes out of covid that will be gone and it has to be gone i i, I for your listeners i we all see those posts on Facebook from different countries that you think they've just cramped what this, 16 teeth in the top and 16 teeth in the bottom. And you think, why? They are 30 years behind us. So if we can kick on 30 years, that we could just heal them, last those teeth for another 50 years by not drilling them, we could make such a difference to patients. And also still have a good business model. If we continue down the restorative route, dentistry's gone simple it won't be there there's not enough dentistry to go around in the middle class patients there is in the hard to reach patients there is in the high needs patients but i think that's going to be the biggest challenge our professions uh, faced to do that over the next five to ten years once you suddenly get into that behavioral change element for the chronic mouths the very mm. old dental dentition it's oh wow it's hard it dentistry behavioral change is just unbelievable when they're not going down that route it's, it's amazing when you get one that buys in unbelievable you get this overnight change and it can affect the rest of their well-being that we had a one of our homeless patients the doctor came up from dentist like oh no what have i done now but it's usually my response to most things what have i done now it's guilt i must have, must have been a bad child but he came up and said how did you get that patient to come and see me? We looked at him. We didn't do it. And then he goes, I know how. She smiled at me. It's the first time I've seen her smile. And he said, I said, how long have you been treating her? He said, 20 years. You know, he, he, couldn't, get, he couldn't get to come in to do blood tests. And all it was is she couldn't smile. And she was a methadone, blah, 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 blah. You, the, ticks all the wrong boxes. She started a, this, I'm not saying it was, we 
we discovered the confidence that she had within herself by letting her show it through her teeth. You know, it sounds stupid, but it's that she was so psychologically scarred by not being able to talk to people. Absolutely. She didn't go to doctors. No, absolutely. I, that's, I know it, it might sound a bit silly, but it's, it's really not, the smile is so important. Um, it's so important and it works wonders. And like you said, it's not just about how you look on the outside, it's about how people then feel on the inside. And, and that you said their mental well-being, and it can, it has a massive impact. So if people can open their mouths and smile at somebody, it, it, it opens up avenues that were otherwise closed. Um, so dentistry, yeah, it, it, it works wonders in, in all senses of the word. Yeah, completely agree. Uh, but like, you know, you said we've got to, this is something that has to happen over the next five to 10 years to ensure that dentistry stays on, on the right track. Obviously the pandemic, there have been some concerns um, that it's, it's brought up um, things such as like uh, people teeth having to be removed rather than than looked at because that was all that was available at the time um and um missed um diagnosis of of mouth cancer do you think what what how how do you think that's going to to play out because obviously that was there's a lot of stories going around about dentists who were finding an alarming amount of of what looked like mouth cancers in their patients when when their doors opened again um do you think this is something that we we have to worry about i think it always worries me mouth cancer is mouth cancer unlike a lot of the other cancers mouth cancer is debilitating after you survive you know it's the trauma of surgery it's the the loss of your eyes um, there's the, the list goes on just just eating afterwards is just a nightmare so to think i've heard anecdotally of colleagues their referral rates into secondary care they've gone from say 100 patients a week to three in that period and if you think they they would diagnose three or four patients out of those hundred there are people walking around at the moment with mouth cancer which historically would have been diagnosed um so yeah uh, just to miss one of these patients which you would have done historically is a disaster um, because we all know that the sooner you treat these guys, the, the, the more likely they're going to survive it. And the least, the smaller surgery, the longer you leave it, it's disrupted. So as a takeaway, I, I would be getting dentists to be seeing the emergencies, maybe not even registered patients of their practice. I think we've got to look at a, a different view on that. Um, I can't comment on how dentists should be running their practice at the moment because it's a different business model than I've done. I, I was a SARS dentist when SARS was around last time, but it wasn't quite the big deal it is now, looking back. Um, so I would be speaking maybe being proactive, going to your pharmacist and saying, look, if someone comes in with an ulcer, please just get them to give them our number, we'll see them. So it may be worth some training for your reception team if anybody's got an ulcer, a lot of maybe some marketing to your patients and what to be looking for with the foundation of just done a, are about to give out some um, patient-related uh, self-assessments, what to look out for, you know, failure for lumps and bumps, it shouldn't be there, what to do, speak to your dentist and all that sort of stuff. My, my drive has always been on practices creating time and I think the only way we can create time now is to understand our population base within our practices. So maybe if you have time at the moment, looking at your, maybe doing an audit on your, your demographics or your practice, which patients to come back first, 
Well, you want the smokers in. There's no toys about it. And you have got an audit trail. You can do that. I know Software of Excellence enables you to be able to sort your database out because we did that. So you can download your whole database and onto an Excel spreadsheet. And we, allegedly, we all know how to use Excel, but you can audit it really well. Absolutely, we we can audit it really really well to put it into order and stuff like that. So um, it's about prioritizing your patients and thinking: Could I kick on a lot of my patients to twelve months? Probably, you know. Um, in fact, you can if you look. So we one of my practices was one of the prototype practices, and we had eighteen percent of our patients on two yearly recalls. Um, so suddenly that think of that time that creates, you know, in your diary, there's, there's one stat, which I go on about, which was my light bulb moment, I suppose on, there's a, there's a report you get from the NHS on your demographics for you. It's like your quarterly vital signs and it shows the stats that patients come back between three and nine months to your practice. And it, the average for the country is 55%, which basically says dentists do not follow nice guidelines. It's simple. They're the stats. But what, the reason I wanted to look at that stat was I compared my practices. My, one of my practices, two of my practices were exactly that average. Sorry, we were 53%. So we were so <laughs> um, but we actually went through the stats and compared it to my prototype practice, which is at 20%. 20%. So suddenly, if you can get your your UDA practices to do that movement of recall. So we shifted all of our patients automatically to 12 month recalls. The dentist could change them, pull them back. That, that's totally fine. That's up to them clinically. But what we found is there was a hiatus month after six months. So if you started that today in six months time, you'd have a dead period. So there'd be no recalls coming in. Well, why not do it now? You know, you could look back six months. That's about March. So phone all those patients and say, look, we're not going to do your recalls today move those into next March, you've suddenly got this waiting list goes down. So you can start taking new patients and you're creating time on your list whilst the government is paying you, you know, just saying, if you want to, you know, uh, and it's managing your database and then you can, then you can start saying, actually, there's some patients I want to come in every week for me to brush their teeth or look for cancer and that sort of stuff. So you can be proactive, but it's a lot of work, you know, it's a lot. I can imagine, but like you said, it's it's this risk-based system. You know, it's, you're looking at the people who, like you said, you could, it, it makes sense. You know, you're like you said, twelve-month recall. Then you've got this space, and you can start to pick out the patients who you're like, right, actually, you are higher risk. You know, like you said, you are a smoker. You, I don't know, you maybe you do they do drink a lot of alcohol and things like that. And then this is when you can bring them back in and um and and, and spot those problems hopefully early enough so that they don't deteriorate. Also, you can start taking new patients on. Because my big worry as an NHS practitioner is a lot of my friends' private practices are booming at the moment because they're seeing the patients. They're getting a lot of new patients coming in from NHS practices who's not going to see them. And they're taking new patients on. So as an NHS practitioner, are you risking losing your high net worth, financial net worth patients to the private practice down the road? Which Because they're happy to pay. You, you know? So there is a risk if you're not seeing any patients, that's going to be happening at the moment. Uh, but there's a balance. And I, 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 my my w brain does run quite heavily because I think that's just that always had a business of my own, really. So. Yeah, yeah. No, of course. Um, it's just a case of, I think, taking what we can from what is happening right now and applying that best, best we can to the situation and, and hoping that we take the best parts of it forward. Absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. Um, but but moving away from, from dentistry, 
um, to finish off, um, I think, I mean, I, I know uh, some, some stuff you like in your spare time in terms of your, your bees. Um, so how, how's, how's that been going over lockdown? Are they, are they still thriving? Mega. It's been really, it's a really good timeline because the farmer's pesticides have gone down. So, uh -huh. so the air pollution's reduced. My, my beehives have erupted. So we've gone from three to 11 beehives. Um, um, then you've got to mention to people that actually three hives, one hive has got sometimes 40,000 bees in. So then you times out of 11, I've got to have this quiet conversation with someone else, but probably about, could be half a million bees in my house. Oh my gosh. Um, so it's good. And I love, do you know what? I think I always talk about cups, um, mental health, well-being, and the fact that over the past 20 years, I've sacrificed a lot of friendships because I've been working uh, stupidly. But when I was a, in the days when I was a young dentist, I, um, I sat down with every old dentist wants to tell you what to do. It's that, I figured that out really early on. It's like, it's, it's mansplaining, isn't it? They're all, they're all very much pat on the head and things. And it's good. And I, I used to ask every single dentist, because I was on the board of the BDA back in the day. I used to ask every single, what's the best course you want to go on? And if you had one advice, for a young dentist, what would you do? And every single one of them says, don't be at work. That was their advice because they spent, and they still spent it time. And that was a big driver between me delegation. So I'll make a joke about it before, but that delegation, I do think every dentist should have, even associates should have a member of staff just doing their paperwork and things for them um, and pay for it. But that's me mental. Anyway, carry on. So I, having these empty, cups was I suddenly realized I was very unfit, very unfit. Um, my blood pressure was through the roof. This was five years ago. Um, and I'd hit 34 inch waist. And suddenly we were doing um, high blood pressure tests and things at the practice for patients. And I thought, better get checked out. So I did my lipid test and all that stuff. And I was okay. Uh -huh. But I felt the stress. So my doing exercises jumped in considerably. Um, I've got two kids. I haven't got a choice about that. Sleep, so I'm, I'm screwed. But I don't get any sleep anyway. But doing the bouncing of seeing friends, I, I've let go. So I've made such an effort to to catch up with my non-dental friends because I, I see my dentist. When you know it's going to dentistry show, whatever it is, you see, you see Julian and Co quite regularly. You know, so I realise I've seen him more than I've seen a lot of my mates. <laughs> Which is not nothing against Jules, but if oh, I, no, there's, there's yeah. definitely such thing as too much Julian. You need to no, no, never, it. never love the guy. But <laughs> I, th I think it's so important for me. In fact, secretly, I, I think he's a, he's brilliant. What he does, he's 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 one of those guys who I think is critical to dentistry, but a bit of an unsung hero, really. Um, but no, don't tell him that. I'm sure he wants <laughs> to do it. So, <laughs> I'll keep that one quiet. <laughs> yeah. Um, but having those empty cups, so I'm making such an effort to do that and that, me taking that time back to spend every night two hours with the kids, just playing, wrestling, having a laugh, and the kids playing cards. We were playing Uno before and suddenly realised that's more important for me than anything that teeth-wise, because it keeps it fresh, it keeps everything firing. Um, so that's, that's that focus and keeping your mental health really, really well. It's saying, what do I not do? It's adult things, not interested. Um, but time, I've always said that I need time. I need more time um, because time is everything. 
and I, I like I like the ability. I've always done this. I, I went to um, I went to Cairns in Australia. I saw one of my friends who's been a flying dentist out there. He says, "What do you want to do?" I said, "I want to sit and watch a video with you." And he looked at me like, "You've come all this way. You go scuba diving, whatever it's." I said, "I've come to see you yeah. because he's my best mate. We had such a crack, and it was." It's that mentality of seeing people and chatting to people, which is what that I'm missing of this at the moment we're doing, you know. Um, yeah, completely, completely. Yeah, finding your balance is, is so critical. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think it, it's good that you, you have, you know. I think a lot of people sometimes forget that and they can go through their entire lives and, and then they're like, actually, hang on a minute. I, I've just been working way too hard for way too long. And um. Yeah, like you said, the, the cracks start to show, I think, and um, it, it can take its toll. So it's... I think I was ill. You know, I sold the business 18 months ago. Hmm. And I do think that it had it, it taken a part of my soul and it's taken eight, 12 months, 18 months to suddenly come up to, to breathe. And suds and law, I've got COVID in the middle of this. And I, you know, I was meant to be all Health Foundation president this year. I was yeah. like, I am. Yeah, yeah. Um, next year, and suddenly this is meant to be my going around, shaking hands. <laughs> this, is the, this is your time. Oh, so, this is my time, man. Yeah. This is the work I've done. All I'm doing is going to have catch up with friends and I get stuck in a, a room. And you, <laughs> it's you know. typical, isn't it? It's typical. But I mean, I think like, I genuinely do believe, and I think you, you agreed earlier that hopefully we will, like I said, it's been a, a horrific time, but hopefully it's one of those times that we can look back on. I, I think it is going to be something we're, we're going to have to live with forever, the virus, um, but oh, in a way that is a lot more manageable um, once we hopefully eventually have get this vaccine and um, we can look back at this and, and I'm hoping take view it as a time that was very weird, but that changed us in many ways for the better rather than the worse. That, that's my hope anyway. It's a, general, it's, a general, it's a generational opportunity. Yeah. Um, and I think... You're absolutely right. We'll just, we have to manage it. And I think dentistry has given me that insight into risk management, which sounds ridiculous, but we, we were built for this, you know? So, yeah. Yeah, it's a robust industry. And I, I, I think uh, yeah, onwards and upwards and, and bigger and better, hopefully where we're heading. But um, thank you so much for, for coming on chatting today. Yeah, it's been, it's been great.